0: I mean, our um, our mission is helping refugees and Georgia thrive, and we believe that we we can all do that together. You know, it's a kind of a, it's a fundamental part of uh, of America, really. Is you know, uh, the the land of the free, and so we we, we want people to uh, to to be able to come here and and feel safe um, and be able to contribute to that life.
1: Hey, everybody. Welcome back to Highest Aspirations, an education podcast that explores how we can help make an impact on our nation's highest-growing student demographic, English language learners. I'm your host, Steve Sophronis. What support can a designated immigrant and refugee program provide for students and families that go beyond what a typical school or district may be providing? After the past year of interrupted learning, what can we learn from educators who have worked with SIF students and newcomers, particularly when it comes to social-emotional needs? How are refugees actively benefiting or improving the communities they are in? And in turn, how can community partnerships play a vital role in supporting refugee students and families? We discuss these questions and much more with Rebecca Masters. Rebecca is a senior youth coordinator for New American Pathways, an Atlanta-based nonprofit with the mission of helping refugees and Georgia thrive. Their vision is for New Americans in the metro Atlanta area to become successful, contributing, and welcome members of Georgia's communities. They fulfill these goals by offering the most comprehensive, fully integrated continuum of services targeted to meet the specific needs of refugees and other immigrants in Georgia. Their services support new Americans on their individual pathways from arrival through citizenship, with programs that focus on four key milestones along the pathway, safety and stability, self-sufficiency, success, and service. Programs work in concert to guide new Americans on their individual pathways to long-term success. Our conversation with Rebecca Masters focuses on educational services that supplement the amazing work schools are already doing to support their newcomers. A special thanks to Julie Allen of International Community School in Clarkston, Georgia, for introducing us to Rebecca. And one quick note, while we are focusing on the Atlanta metro area in Georgia, everything we discuss in this episode is applicable to districts around the country. Hope you enjoy the conversation. Rebecca Masters, thank you so much for joining us on Highest Aspirations.
0: Thank you so much for having me. I'm very happy to be here.
1: We're happy to have you, and I have to say, we um, have to give a shout out to Julie Allen, the CEO of the International Community School in Atlanta, where you are. Yeah. Um, she was on a, a recent episode of Highest Aspirations, talking about the great things they're doing there, and um, and she she mentioned that we needed to speak with you about all the great work you're doing to help them ramp up their after school programs. Um, and with their family liaisons as well, which obviously now, uh, both of which extremely important. So let's start with a general question. Um, why do schools like the International Community School and others, um, should, why should they partner with, with organizations like yours and what can you provide that they can't do on their own?
0: Yeah, I mean, um, ICS is a wonderful school. This is my first year um, working with them. We just started up our programme this year and we've been so happy to be in there working with them. Um, I think um, the schools that we work with, they do obviously a phenomenal job of supporting students on their own, but I think that what we can bring um, at New American Pathways is that we have a holistic sort of whole family programme um, so we we have this dedicated um, family support and school liaison team who are all uh, part of the communities that our kids come from. They speak the families' languages. They get to know the families very well. And so I think sometimes when you have um, English language learners with parents who uh, have uh, not not such a high level of English themselves and it can be difficult sometimes for the schools to get in touch with the parents to get the parents engaged with the school community and involved in events and things and that's something that our liaison team can do so our teachers obviously are providing that assistance that extra help and support for the students with their homework and their academics um, and also their social emotional learning Um, but then we have the liaison team who'll go to the parent teacher conferences and interpret for the parents and then they bring that information back to us so that we can inform our programming where do the kids need more help and support um so they really connect the whole thing um and I think that's what makes us a little bit different
1: yeah for sure I appreciate you mentioning I'll bring up two things one that the the liaisons are working with you are part of the communities which is such an important piece and such an important element that we hear all the time um, and, you know, I, I think you alluded to the, the fact that teachers uh, and administrators at these schools have so much on their plates, perhaps now more than ever, um, that the support that, that organizations like like New American Pathways can provide um, are really, ast- it's really incredible uh, speaking with Julie about sort of the work that, that you're doing on behalf of them. And I think, you know, in some cases, as educators, um, we want to be able to do everything, um, but at a certain point. We need support and we need help. So organizations like yours are there to, there to help.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: So um, one thing we've been talking a lot about, I suppose not surprisingly, is um, all the trauma that many immigrant and refugee students face and the impact that can have in their learning, which is highly significant. I mean, I've heard more people over the last year, and I think this is great that people are recognizing this, say that until we deal with that, we there's no way that we can teach these students academics what they need. Um, and at the same time, we're seeing more and more of it uh, of, of 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 this as a result of the influx of of young people coming to the border, particularly now more than ever. This is a great time to have this conversation. So, what what do you think students need most to overcome these types of challenges, and and how should schools go about providing it? Because it's not going to go away, um, and it's something that we're probably all going to have to deal with at some point.
0: Yeah. Definitely, um, I think um, what we see with our students, and obviously, um, in our program, we're not um, we're not trained mental health professionals or anything like that. We we do have our uh, youth mental health first aid certificates and things like that, but that's as far as we can go when it comes to that. Um, but um, we see that you know, the trauma that our students have experienced and maybe that, that their parents have experienced. Because even the students that were born in the United States, they still, their families have been through a lot you know and so that that can have an impact as well Um, and it manifests itself um, in a lot of different ways but you know it can be behavioral acting out in school things like that it can be that maybe the the child has trouble concentrating has trouble focusing and they can have memory problems all that sort of stuff and so I think um, you know what certainly what we provide obviously we provide some academic support we do homework help to help them get caught up to where they're supposed to be um in their in in their schooling, but we also provide social emotional support um, as well, and I think that's really important. I know that the school counselors and the jobs that they do are extremely valuable in helping with that as well. And obviously, in an ideal world where funding was no object, it would be amazing to have uh, dedicated mental health teams within the schools that could help with that. But I think that's a bit of a, a bit of a dream at the moment when it comes to funding.
1: And hopefully, we'll get there.
0: I would sorry, I would I would really hope so.
1: Um, you know, you brought something up that I think is 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 really interesting. You talked about some of the behavioral, like the impact that this these kind this kind of trauma has on students. Um and you specifically mentioned something that you addressed in your programs last time that I want to kind of highlight, and that's conflict resolution. Um and and between the time that we talked about that and now, I've actually spoken um with a gentleman by the name of Jose Luis Zelaya who uh, runs an organization in Texas. The long story short, he he was um, uh, one of the young people who crossed the border at age 13. I think it was in the year 2000. So a long time ago, but he carried with him a lot of the trauma um, based on that experience. And he talked very, um, in very, in a very detailed way about the behavioral problems that he has as a result uh, of that and how Not many of his teachers really recognize that that's what it was from. And he talked about conflicts that he was in, too. And so you focus on that. It's not something I hear about very often, but I think it's tremendously valuable. So tell us a little bit more about why that's so important and, and how students benefit from it.
0: Yeah I mean our students again as I say because of some of the trauma that they've experienced and um, they have and I work obviously I work with the elementary school program so um, you know if you think about it there our kids are, are, are young they're they're you know k through fifth grade um, and so they have they have all these emotions going on and all these feelings and they just don't know what to do with them and so sometimes something you know uh, a, a game maybe or something like that with a with a, a classmate can you know escalate into something more than that because they, they they're feeling things and they don't know where to put what they're feeling right um, and so we have um, you know we do we try to do uh, work in our character education um on things like the size of the problem and the size of the reaction and things like that and trying to, you know how to how to gauge your reaction and, and make sure it fits with the problem but also we have a we have a fantastic community partner um by the name of uh, Paul Reeser who comes in. he's a youth in Clarkston, um, which is where we mainly where we work um, and he comes in and does conflict resolution work with our kids he tells he uses stories he uses plays songs music dance all that kind of stuff and they absolutely love him like he's his work is amazing um, and you can really see the impact that that has on the students it works really really well for them really helps them
1: yeah so back again to that community partnerships and this I forget the name that you mentioned but this gentleman seems to be. Uh, a respected member of the community. Uh, you yes. said he's a pastor too, I believe, right? So bringing in those resources is so important and, and it, it sounds like he's really well-loved. And you know, the other thing that resonated with me is like everything you're talking about obviously is is um, specifically important for the students that you all are working with in a, in a place like Clarkson where you have this diverse group of students who are coming from a variety of different backgrounds, some um, having had traumatic experiences. But given the year that we've had, I mean, this kind of thing could really benefit all students.
0: Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um, I think um, that a lot of, of students that you wouldn't expect to have the same, you know, reactions or experiences as, as, as the students we work with. You know, we, our students have gaps in their education when they first arrive, They've, they suffer learning loss, things like that. But now, um, obviously, there are students across not only the USA, but across the world that are, are experiencing that too. So, yeah, I think the kind of work that we do could help everybody.
1: Yeah, and I want to get into that later a little bit more specifically, but I but I just it couldn't help but bring it up because it, it, it's just shi- shining a spotlight on, well, I guess I should say that so many of the things that you do are going to be applicable in, in a broader lens now, and that's really that's really a good thing. I think that's one of the silver linings that's come out of this is that hopefully we're able to, to work with students who have... Uh, any kind of interruption in their learning, whether it be, um, because they're, they're migrating or whether it be because of something like a global pandemic, which two years ago, we never would have thought would ever have
0: happened. Absolutely.
1: Um, yeah. okay. So one of the things that, that, that I love, um, that you seem to focus on and, and lots of organizations like yours do, and it's great, um, is that you want people to know that having more refugees in, in your community is, is a good thing. Um, How do you deliver that message to those who might think otherwise? And there are, uh, you know, let's be clear, many of those people.
0: Yeah, um, I mean, so we're part of um, a a group called the Coalition for Refugee Service Agencies, Um, and uh, what we do as as a coalition, and obviously what we do as an organization as well, is just try to to let people know that, you know, um, refugees bring such a lot to the community. they join you know they um not only uh do they bring their culture and make the community more vibrant but they also have a a huge economic impact um on on the state that they that they live in so in georgia for example um a lot only one in ten georgians is foreign born me included i'm sure you can all hear from my accent Mm -hmm. um but uh 31 of um like main street businesses um are actually opened by immigrants And then on top of that, you have um, a lot of refugees come in and work for some of us, particularly, and I can only speak for Georgia, obviously, um, at the moment, but they, you know, in in some of our biggest industries. So you have um, a lot of refugees going and working in poultry production, uh, warehousing, hospitality, um, and all sorts of different industries as well. And so, you know, I think it's just to let people know that refugees come here uh, from having ex- had some incredibly harrowing experiences, but what they bring is a lot of resilience and courage, and they they put that into their communities. Um, and that's certainly um, one of the, the final part of our pathway uh, at New American Pathways is service. Um, we encourage at, our, our clients to give back to the communities that they live in.
1: Right. Yeah. And, I, you know, I'm hearing more and more of people talking about this from the two perspectives that you brought up at first. And if I misquote you or or say something that you didn't say, please let me know. But it sounds like you you were mentioning, right, the just the value and the diversity that comes with having refugees from so many different places. I've heard from lots of folks in Clarkston actually about that on the podcast before. And I've had the privilege of 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 going down there. I was at a conference and meeting some of the folks who worked like at Refuge Coffee in those places, which I think is just yeah. like phenomenal. So if you see that, it's really hard to say, this is a terrible thing that's happening. I don't know how anybody could think that way. But if you do, if you do happen to think that way, you also have the other perspective, which is the economic perspective. You just gave some really interesting statistics. I think you said 31% of businesses is open by immigrants when there's a very small percentage of people who are foreign born, which says that right? there's, there's a huge economic impact. So you're covering it from both lenses there. Am I, am I on the right track yes. there?
0: Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, our um, our mission is helping refugees and Georgia thrive. And we believe that we we can all do that together. You know, it's a kind of a, it's a fundamental part of, uh, of America really is, you know, uh, the, the land of the free. And so we we, we want people to uh, to to be able to come here and, and feel safe um, and be able to contribute to that life.
1: Yeah. And obviously, the education piece is a huge part of that, having access to education. And you can't have that, as we mentioned earlier, unless you deal with some of the underlying um, conditions that are happening. Um, OK, so we're, we're kind of transitioning. We're recording this in, in late May now, and, and uh, we're transitioning into the summer months. Um, some schools are actually out of school now, where I am in the Northeast. Students are still in school for another few weeks. But we're thinking about summertime. We're thinking about um, all the things that students want to be able to do in a very different summer than it was last year. Um, And I know, you know, we've talked a lot about providing students with opportunities for structured play and, you know, um, it's receiving a lot of attention, Um, especially now that so many kids just haven't had the opportunity for social interactions for obvious reasons. How critical do you think these experiences are for immigrant and refugee students, particularly in the wake of the of the pandemic? And, and how can we provide those children specifically with these opportunities while also addressing the gaps in learning? Because I think there's some tension in some districts where they're saying we need kids to go to summer school because they need to catch up on all the learning they've lost. And this and the other people are saying, no, these kids like need to stop like, you know, with academics and learn social skills and just play and just be kids. Where's the balance there and what are you doing to kind of uh, try to resolve it?
0: Yeah, I mean, what we do is at, at New American Pathways, we actually, along with our partner um, in Spiritus, we offer um, two summer camp programs. So I won't get into grants and stuff like that because that's awfully dry and we'll go way over our, uh, our time. We'll um, link to whatever we need to link to though, so people perfect. can find out. Um, so yeah, we actually, both of our, we have two separate summer programs um and uh what we what we try to do with our summer programming is to provide those opportunities for play um the one that i'm running this year um is uh, is going to be uh, in person in a park we've had um a, we have a partnership set up with uh clarkston parks and rec who have been wonderful and have given me a pavilion and are not charging me for it um so that we can have um, our summer camp outdoors in the park community um, what-
1: partnerships again right again it's yeah. a re-
0: a huge that's that's the big the biggest takeaway i would say is that you know you you, no school or program or non-profit can do it alone you really have to have that community connection um but yeah, so we what we what we like to do with our summer programming is obviously we we provide literacy lessons and literacy support, um, character enrichment, all of the sorts of things that we do throughout the school year and after school. Um, but that with summer camp and I mean with all of our programming, really, we try to do that through play, through games and fun activities. And we for us it's really important. And um, with our communities, a lot of our students, um, you know, they're parents are working different shifts and things like that and so the kids have to maybe help out more at home than than some other students have to do they have to look after younger siblings and things like that and so what we're looking forward to this summer is giving them that opportunity again to get out of the house and just be with their peers be with their teachers and and have some fun Um, and I think that's that's really really important especially after a whole year of, of virtual learning and being stuck at home
1: Yeah, it's so refreshing to hear that. And I think I'm cautiously optimistic that that sort of perspective is winning out over having kids, you know, be stuffed in hot classrooms to learn, which is really important, right? I'm not taking anything away from the content and learning loss that's happened, um, but I I worry about that. And I'm glad to hear that you're looking at it from that lens because it's, I mean, I have children of my own who have not dealt with nearly the kinds of uh, trauma and issues that students that you're working with do and I just they just need to be social and interact with others and learn that way
0: yeah yeah and I think that's something that will be quite difficult for them all after being away and I know that we we're starting to um just when we start to see our students a little bit now in person, um, it's, it's always amazing how maybe the one who was really boisterous and chatty and interactive on Zoom is actually really shy in person yeah. or the other way around. Like we've seen big differences in our students' virtual personalities versus their in-person personalities. And so I think that is going to be really um, important is helping them transition back into some kind of normality.
1: Yeah. You have to like reacquaint yourself with everybody, you know, and if you know them well, um, yeah, it's very different, very different situation. Um, okay. I said we were going to kind of get into this a little bit more specifically and I do want to get into more specifically now because I, like there's, you know, people talk about safe students all the time, students with interrupted formal education. We've mentioned it before. Um, organizations like yours are, uh, are well-versed in addressing learning gaps and the challenges of familiarizing students and their families with school. Um, what have you learned in your work that might help the rest of us as we come to terms with with learning loss caused by the pandemic? And I mean, is it crazy to say that in some ways, in one way or the other, we're, we're all SIFE students at this point?
0: I, I don't think it is crazy. No, I th- absolutely. I, I would agree. Um, I think we've, um, we've, we've all in some way lost a year. Um, And I think that one of the things I I think I mentioned before, from obviously working with refugee students, but also refugee families, is resilience. Um, And our students are amazingly resilient and they're really adaptable, um, given what they've been through. And I think one thing I would say to sort of fellow educators, um, you know, in in relation to your students but also in relation to yourself is that I think we all need to give ourselves uh, a, a bit of time be patient with ourselves and with our students and you know I think if we provide our students with that support that social support and we give them time to to transition back into the classroom and back into you know normal whatever that may be learning. Um, I I think we will get there but it's we, we have to we have to give ourselves the time and we have to be patient and kind to ourselves and obviously also to our students as well.
1: Yeah you know that's something I heard a lot at the very beginning of the pandemic in March and April we were doing a series called um in this uh, look for the helpers, and we just basically interviewed a whole bunch of people who, whoever basically wanted to come on about their experiences, the beginning part of COVID, um, to try to hopefully share some information and build a community and just kind of have a support system. And what came up over and over again were two things. One was what you just mentioned, like let's give each other grace, right? Let's like let's like take a step back and understand that this is really difficult. Um, and the other thing is let's 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 really work on building relationships. Um, and it's funny because a- as the school year went on, I heard less and less of that and more and more about learning loss and making sure that students' academics are okay and that they don't know they're not losing and that they're not losing language skills for English learners. And now it seems to be coming back again to like, let's give each other grace as we think about coming back. Let's make sure we're build- building relationships. It's really nice to hear actually, because we're about, we're thinking now of starting a new school year. Um, and I think those should be the main priorities those are the big learning lessons and some of the things i kind of worry sometimes that you know there are all these things that we learned and i'm just hoping that we go back and use those learnings to to sort of make education better
0: yeah i hope so too absolutely
1: yeah so that's nice to hear i think that's we're kind of like it's like a, an arc right of um of, of what we're dealing with i guess just which i guess is is completely normal um OK, so, I, you know, we're scraping the surface of the work that you all are doing um, in New American Pathways. So I want to make sure that um, that we talk a little bit about the other services that that you provide and how they can cr- uh, help create a more comprehensive support system for immigrants and refugees. So talk to us a little bit about, you know, the organization and the work that you're doing, uh, sort of aside from what we've talked about, which we'll just scraped the surface here.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, so the reason that we're called New American Pathways is because uh, that's exactly what we do. Um, we provide New Americans, uh, refugees, um, with a pathway um, right through to citizenship. So we have our path, our four points on our pathway are um, safety and stability, through self-sufficiency, success, and finally service. Um, And so the way that we do that, our safety and stability we have a wonderful um resettlement team so we actually resettle refugees we help them um to find we, we get them set up in apartments we help them find work um and that's where the self-sufficiency can come in we get we, we, you know and what what's wonderful I actually had um one of the parents on my program and um, we're sad because our the, they're moving so our students not going to be in our program anymore but they're moving because they're buying a house and so that's a family that have you know have, have made it on that pathway amazing yeah. you know um, and so yeah there's this success right there um, and yeah and, and finally service so putting back in the community being part of the community and that's obviously what what you see um, in Clarkston and um, with the community that's been built there um, so yeah we have um, not only do we have resettlement we have a women's empowerment um, that also offer domestic violence services. Um, we have obviously our team, Education and Youth, and our wonderful liaison team, with a great um, development team that go out there and fundraise and make it possible for us to do all of this. Um, and so it's, uh, it's there's there's a lot a, a lot of, um, of different parts to the organization all, all working for that same goal of um, getting helping refugees in Georgia thrive.
1: Yeah. And you, I, I was just going to mention what you said, that the tagline of helping refugees in Georgia thrive, because it's both. And and I, I feel like there's there's this there's this way of looking at things like, well, we're here to help these people who need our help. But there is a there is a, a, a truth um, in both that when you know, you're not just helping uh, people who are coming here, but you're helping your state as well and your country as well and your communities, you um, So I really appreciate you bringing that up. I I think that's so important. I think it's missed often, you know?
0: Yeah, absolutely it is. Um, And yeah, so that's that's what organizations like, like ours exist to do
1: yeah well, clearly, comprehensive you know supports, and again, we just kind of talked about the education piece because I think that's what our audience is most interested in, but we'll link to um the site so you can check it out and uh, and look at all of the the four um steps on the on the or uh, they are they're not called steps the pathways, the four pathways is that what it's called?
0: um yeah, well, the the pathway, yeah, there four points yep. on on the pathway.
1: I didn't know what the points were, okay, cool, <laughs> yeah, no, but it's great. it's really good it's really good stuff, so I'd encourage people to check it out. Um, okay, so two more questions for you, uh, Rebecca. One is, this is a question we ask everyone, and we have a really incredible library of books at this point and resources. Is there a book or a resource that has influenced you, either personally or professionally, that you'd like to share with listeners?
0: So it's a bit dry, but I have to say my background was in, um, is in uh, ESL teaching, um, and I couldn't have done my job over all these years without um, Murphy's English grammar in use keep a copy of it because inevitably a student's going to ask you about a grammar point and you're not going to remember and so um, that's been a massive help but um, personally um, it's not a book but it's, um, it's a song um, from a Scottish band called Frightened Rabbit and they have, a, they have a song called Head Rolls Off and in that song is a line while I'm alive I'll make tiny changes to earth Um, And I think of that that line a lot when I'm working with my students, because I feel like as educators and as, you know, particularly also at New American Pathways, I feel like that's what we go out every day to do is to make tiny changes to earth. And I think that if we can remember that, then, you know, just that little line, you're making tiny changes and that gets you through even the most difficult days.
1: That's great. Uh, you know. So there's two, two, two firsts. The first is the is the, the book that, uh, on English grammar. Um, <laughs> as somebody who is a, a self-professed kind of language nerd, I was a high school Spanish teacher for a long time. I think that's great that you mentioned that. Has never been mentioned before. So that's a first, which is I great love, because-
0: I love a bit of grammar.
1: <laughs> I do too. Yeah. I, mean, I think it gets a bad rap. I really do. Um,
0: it
1: does. Uh, but I'm glad you mentioned it. I'm excited about it for no one else is. I'm sure given our audience, many people are Um, So that's that That's the first time It's been mentioned Um, And you're the first one Who's ever mentioned a song Which is great Oh that's
0: awesome (laughs) And if I
1: can If I can And I don't know if I can So if you're listening to this And you're hoping It's going to happen I can't guarantee it We will put the song on Or at least part of it That you mentioned So that it's there Okay, great. So uh, how can people learn more about the work you're doing? I've said I'll share links and I will, but I'd love any contact information or any other places that folks can go.
0: Yep. Um, we are, we're on Instagram. If you look up New American Pathways on Instagram, we're there um, where you can see stories and things like that. We're on Facebook, um, Twitter, all, all the socials. Um, we're on there. Um, and also from our website, um, newamericanpathways.org. Um, We have, it's it's a great place to find, not only can you see sort of success stories, you can find out about the people we work with, uh, we have some really nice pieces on there that you can read about, but also um, to find out how you can get involved yourself as well, if you want to help with the work that we do.
1: Yeah. And as someone who myself does not live in in Georgia, I'm up here in New Hampshire, I still found it quite valuable to go to the website. So just to mention that this is not just, I think, somebody that something that you have to do if you're in your state, uh, I think is w- worth looking at um, to uh, to kind of and in, help inform yourself and, and understand the types of services that exist.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. And yeah, not, not just for Georgia.
1: <laughs> um, okay, great. Well, Rebecca Masters, thank you so much for joining us on highest aspirations. Really a pleasure to talk with you. And, and most importantly, thank you for the um, for the really incredibly inspirational uh, work that you and your, um, your, your colleagues are doing at new American pathways. Oh,
0: thank you so much for having me. It's been great.